Here we go. Let's get rolling with our uh, Big 12 football picks against the spread for week 12 of the Big 12 football season. Can you believe it? Only a couple of weeks left. Our picks on the season, 35, 25, and 2 against the spread. So I will take that through 11 weeks of the season every single year. 35, 25, and 2 against the spread on our Big 12 picks. So let's get to it, and let's start off with uh, TCU and Baylor. So TCU goes to Waco this weekend. They're a favorite. They're 10-0. It's dicey because, of course, it is, yes, a rivalry game. It's a rivalry game, so you're sitting there and you're saying to yourself, boy, Baylor is coming off a bad loss to Kansas State. They're at home. They're fired up. They're still kind of in contention for a Big 12 championship, but last week really did them a lot of damage. Last week basically knocked Baylor out of the Big 12 race. It's not impossible, but it's not likely. So this is now in many ways their Super Bowl. This is likely to be the biggest game left of the season for Baylor on their home field against their biggest rival who's 10-0 and trying to get to a college football playoff. Baylor has a chance to spoil all of that on Saturday. Do I think they will? No, I don't. I like TCU to cover the spread of two and a half points on Saturday. And I'm just looking at this and saying, TCU got over the hump at Texas last week. Now they've got to go to Waco. That's not easy. But this defense is playing better, it seems like, every week. TCU's defense in terms of efficiency, so advanced analytics, TCU's defense is second in the Big 12 to Kansas State's. They've been very good on that side of the ball, especially as of late. They gave up three points last week to Texas. Remember, Texas got that garbage touchdown at the end after the bad turnover by Max Duggan. Uh, They are getting better every single week. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, unless you just go with the pure emotion, unless you just go with the idea that, you know what, um... Baylor's going to be fired up, home crowd, the whole thing. And I don't see that happening. I don't see that being the case in this game. I think TCU is in a great position to go down to Waco to pull off a solid win um, and, and get things done. I mean, look at what happened last weekend. Waco has not been a great home field advantage here. And last week was case in point. Kansas State stomped, absolutely stomped all over Baylor in Waco. Now, maybe you say it's not going to go like that this weekend. Maybe it won't, but I'm not predicting much better. I'm going TCU minus the two and a half points. Minus the two and a half points this week at at Baylor. Next up, Kansas and Texas. So Kansas is a nine and a half point dog at home against Texas. Nine and a half point underdog. But I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, okay, hold on a second here. I want to get this Kansas team in some points, and I think that I can justify it. I'm going to buy half a point in this game because I'm thinking to myself, the Texas defense, especially that secondary, is not any good. The Texas secondary is right now seventh in the Big 12 in passing yards allowed per game. Just not a very good secondary. Meantime, you got a Kansas team that offensively is the most efficient offense in the entire Big 12 right now. I mean, what more can you ask for out of the Kansas Jayhawks offense? So I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, 
Kansas at home. They're going to be fired up to play Texas. You know that. In front of their crowd, 10-point underdogs, a Texas team licking its wounds a little bit, still has a path to a Big 12 title game, but maybe not as clear as it was if they would have won last week against TCU. Uh, They're probably licking their wounds a little bit. And now I'm looking at this and saying to myself, Kansas is going to be lit. Now, what concerns me a lot about Kansas in this game is the fact that their run defense can't stop anybody. And now they got to try to stop Bijan Robinson. Kansas gave up 250-some-odd rushing yards to Texas Tech last weekend. What's that going to mean against Bijan Robinson this weekend? That remains to be seen, but I don't like the matchup one bit from that perspective. But do I think Kansas can cover 10? Absolutely. I'm going to buy the half a point if you have to and go Kansas at home plus 10 against Texas. Next up, Kansas State at West Virginia. Well, K-State's a seven and a half point favorite. This is the toughest game of the week to pick because I don't know where West Virginia is mentally. I don't know if this team is checked out after athletic director Shane Lyons got fired and now the writing's likely on the wall for Neil Brown. This can go one of two ways. The team can totally check out or they can play extra hard for their head coach who they want to keep, who they really like, who they want to get to a bowl game if he wins these next two games. I don't know. I'm not in that locker room, so I can't speak to that. But what I do know is this. West Virginia at home is a very different team. And this is the reason I picked the Mountaineers to cover seven last week against Oklahoma. They are a much better and much different team at home. So I'm going to go with West Virginia plus seven and a half against the Kansas State Wildcats on their home turf. K-State's coming off a huge win. We know that Will Howard's the guy going forward. I think that's a good thing for K-State. I think he spreads the field better. But But I just look at this game and I say, in Morgantown, the Mountaineers have been really tough there. They've won there. That's really the only place they have won. And now you go into this game for West Virginia, and you may have, you do have your season on the line. Now, there's plenty on the line for Kansas State. Don't get me wrong. There is plenty, plenty, plenty on the line for Kansas State this weekend as well. But suddenly, a little more pressure on Will Howard. He's officially the starter. He's the man. He's got the job, and he has to. He's got to get it done in a big spot on the road. I do think he will. I just think that 7.5 points is too much. So I am going to roll with West Virginia plus 7.5 in this game on Saturday. Next up, next up, we've got Bedlam. We've got Oklahoma and Oklahoma State on Saturday. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, how is either team a seven and a half point favorite? Can somebody explain that to me? How is either team a seven and a half point favorite? That just doesn't make an ounce of sense. It does not make an ounce of sense. Neither team's very good. Neither team is having the kind of season we expected uh, earlier in the year. And, you know, Oklahoma State's banged up. Uh, The Sooners are just, I mean, have no depth, aren't all that good. So I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, uh, the big thing for me, the big reason that I'm going with the Cowboys to cover seven and a half is the following. The weakness for the Cowboys is the offensive line, right? That's the biggest weakness for Oklahoma State. Well, if you look at what Oklahoma does on that front line, 
The answer is not much. Oklahoma does not do much. In 10 games, they've got 19 sacks. That is second worst in the Big 12. So even though Oklahoma State has not done a good job run blocking, has not done a good job protecting the quarterback, I don't see the Sooners being able to take advantage of that. I don't see how they do it. So with that alone, I'm going to roll with Oklahoma State plus seven rivalry matchup in Norman. Mike Gundy, we know, has not been good in this game. But man, if there's a year that he's going to just get a win, now he got a win last year. But if there's there's a year that both teams are mediocre and he's going to win in Norman, to me, this is the year. This is it for Mike Gundy. Um, And Spencer Sanders is going to play, I believe. That changes the game. Even Spencer Sanders at 80% is much better than uh, Gunnar Gundy or Garrett Rangel. So give me Oklahoma State plus 7.5 in this game uh, against the Sooners in Norman. Last but not least, we've got Iowa State and Texas Tech. Iowa State, I know they're home, but Iowa State, should not be a three-and-a-half-point favorite against anybody in this conference. The offense just isn't there. And here's the biggest problem for Iowa State. You know what? Uh, Texas Tech, the offensive line for Texas Tech is not good. That's their biggest weakness. Iowa State doesn't really get to the quarterback this season. They're last in the Big 12 in sacks. They have not been all that good. So that's number one. Now, I know that the defense is going to keep you in front of them. Uh, John Haycock has a great defense. Defense is not the problem for Iowa State. But the major weakness uh, for the Red Raiders is that offensive line, and it's just not obvious to me that they're going to be able to take advantage of that. So then the other thing I'm looking at is the other side of the ball. Texas Tech's defense has been sneaky good, has been very solid. And I'm looking at this, and I'm saying to myself, okay, Texas Tech's defense, you know, people probably don't know this, Texas Tech's defense is number one in the Big 12 in sacks, tied with Texas 24 sacks in 10 games. Iowa State's offensive line has not been good. Iowa State has given up 23 sacks in 10 games. That is as bad as it gets. That's second worst in the Big 12 to only Texas Tech, ironically enough. So you tell me who's going to do a better job taking advantage of a weak offensive line. Both teams have them. The answer to me seems pretty obvious. It's going to be Texas Tech. So I get a Red Raiders offense that is uh, playing better lately, put up 40-some-odd points last week against Kansas. I know Kansas's defense is not very good, especially compared to Iowa State's defense. But I'm getting them as an underdog against an Iowa State offense that has trouble putting up more than two touchdowns every week. It's just too big of a number. I know it's an Ames. It's too big a number. I'm going Texas Tech plus three and a half in this one um, on Saturday. That's, That's where I'm going. So let me give you those picks again. The picks again, I'm going TCU minus two and a half at Baylor. I've got Kansas plus 10 against Texas by the half point if you have to. West Virginia plus seven and a half at home against K State. Oklahoma State plus seven and a half at Oklahoma. And Texas Tech plus three and a half against Iowa State. So those are the picks. Those are what I like this week. And you know what? Our picks are 35 22, uh, 35 25 and two on the season.
against the spread. We also track them all on the website. You can read them at heartlandcollegesports.com. But I put them on YouTube first. I put them on the podcast first and right here on Facebook Live as well. So this is the first place to get all the action when it comes to what's happening in the Big 12. And uh, the picks against the spread, which have been very, very good this season. Very good. Now, I'm going to wrap up the show with this. Did you see that uh, the Big 12 and Gonzaga apparently are expressing growing mutual interest? I'm not going to go over it again extensively. We've talked about it on this show before, but I just don't get it. Unless Brett Yormark's got something up his sleeve that none of us know about, I do not understand when there's no money in college basketball compared to college football, why you would add a basketball-only school that is driven and defined by the head coach and Mark Few, who's been there for two decades. If, God forbid, something happens to Mark Few tomorrow, do you think Gonzaga basketball remains Gonzaga basketball? The answer is no. The answer is not a chance. Not saying they'll fall off a cliff. But guys, five-star players today are not going to Spokane, Washington. Right? They're not going there because they really like the scenery. They're going there because of Mark Few. And if your program is that reliant on one guy and that defined by one guy, you know, this is not Duke defined by Coach K. This is different. Duke had a history. North Carolina has a history. UCLA has a history. Gonzaga's history is Mark Few. I understand this idea of getting into the Pacific time zone and and, you know, this monster basketball conference and Brett Yormark's a basketball guy from his time with the Brooklyn Nets and everything else. But basketball does not pay the bills in, in, in college sports. It does not pay the bills. And if you're going to then add in Gonzaga just for basketball, where does it go from there? The old Big East had this problem 10 years ago. You had some football schools. You had some basketball schools. Eventually, priorities were so different, the thing collapsed. I mean, at least the Big East still exists, but obviously it's not what it was. The Big 12 is finally 12 teams rowing in the same direction. Gonzaga is not going to be part of that. And there's going to be animosity. I don't know how the paychecks are going to work out if and when this thing does happen. And is Bob Huggins going to be thrilled with going to Spokane, Washington on a Tuesday night for a basketball game? When, once again, basketball's not paying the bills like football? I just, I have a lot of questions. I trust Brett Yormark. I like him as the new uh, Big 12 commissioner. I've said that many times. But this one I'm not understanding from the Big 12 perspective. I totally get it from Gonzaga's perspective. But by the way, Gonzaga's not Gonzaga in the Big 12. Let's add that as well. Gonzaga's middle of the pack. I mean, look what happened last night to Texas. They got waxed by Texas by 20 points. Now, Texas may end up winning the Big 12, but do you really think that we're going to be in a position here where uh, Gonzaga would go 27-3 and every year and be a one seed? No. No, they wouldn't. So I don't. I, I, Gonzaga loses its luster if it's no longer in the West Coast Conference. It's it's a good team. It's a really good program. It's not a one seed every year. And then if it's not a one seed every year, it's not having an easier path to a Sweet Sixteen, to a Final Four, to a national championship. That all changes as well. 
So I, I don't get the move. I don't think Gonzaga brings a lot of eyeballs in Spokane, Washington. I, I just, and, and especially after a couple of years in the rough and tumble Big 12, they'll be a, a top 25 team, but they're not going to be the Gonzaga that we know today. So I just, I, I don't see it. I don't. I don't get it. We'll follow the reporting. This came from Brett McMurphy at Action Network that the two sides met in Austin, Texas because Gonzaga played there uh, the other night. And there's growing mutual interest between both sides. I don't understand it. I just don't. But you know what? I'm happy to kind of follow it and see where I might be wrong, as always. I just don't get it. Yeah, Donald says not a cultural fit either. I think those days are gone, but I agree. They're certainly not. I'm Pete Mundo. Hey, subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review. We'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you do that. Subscribe to the channel. We appreciate you guys. Thanks for being here. And thanks for checking out our site, which, of course, covers the Big 12 top to bottom at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks for all you guys do sharing the show, sharing the site. We're reaching millions of Big 12 fans every single month because of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the games this weekend. And we'll talk to you on Sunday for our recap and reaction show. Don't miss that. Take care. See you later.